All righty. Well, um, it is truly an honor to be able to share the word uh, here with you guys this morning. Uh, Gary said I could go all day. No, just joking. He, he would never say that to me because he know I would. Um, and Dennis has adjusted the cameras because I guess I move a little more than, than Gary does. Um, but it's, it's a joy to be with you guys. And uh, what I wanted to do today is actually I wanted to, to uh, complete the message that I began with, with you guys in the park. How many of you were there uh, when, when I spoke in the park? Okay, hold your hands up high just because it helps me to know what I shouldn't repeat. Okay, great. Um, well, I'm sure you remember every word of the sermon too. I mean, you've got it down. Um, but I do want to start with um, what Peter says in 2 Peter. Uh, this is more for me probably than you. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, Peter says, therefore, this won't be our text, this is kind of just an intro, therefore, um, I will... I will not neglect to remind you always of these things. Listen to what he says. This is again, First Peter, or excuse me, Second Peter one, verse twelve. Though you know them, and are established in the present truth, yes, I think it right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus has shown me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease or my departure. And so Peter just reminds them, and I, that, that always struck me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remind you of things and stir you up, and that's my goal this morning, uh, to stir you up uh, of things that you're already established, he says, in the present truth. And not like you've heard it before, but like, this is who you are. So I want to talk a little bit today about the DNA of the church. And we're going to be looking at part two of what we call the purpose of the church. Okay? Last time I was with you guys. And by the way, uh, awesome building. You know? Uh, this, is, this is really awesome. I really love it. I, I really believe. You know, of course, I've been praying for you because, you know, I'm sending up someone really dear to, dear to my heart. Uh, uh, and uh, as we send our family up here... Uh, to serve with you guys and to partner with you guys. Uh, and it, it's just, uh, you know, something I've, I've obviously prayed a lot about uh, more than normal when I send someone out. Of course, I pray. Uh, we want to be led by the Spirit. And, and uh, you know, I've sent a lot of people out. I mean, I've been pastoring. I'm coming up on 20, 27 years of pastoring our church. We started it in 1995. I've uh, been pastoring it ever since. And uh, you know, through those years, of course, God's raised up hundreds of people that we've had the privilege to send out planting churches. Our first church ever that we established was actually uh, in a city called Belgrade, Montana, right outside of Bozeman, Montana. Uh, and uh, it reminds me as we uh, kind of circle around, just, you know, we went there on a vision tour uh, during a blizzard. I mean, it was one week of a blizzard. And I told the pastor, who was one of my assistants at that time, well, this is a true vision tour. Now, the last time, two times, Isaac and I have come up here. The last time we came up here, I think it was, I don't know, June or something like that. And it was like the prettiest day of the year. And then this weekend's been really nice, too. So, um, you know, they're about to get baptized into um, the reality 
of winter here, which I don't even know about. But, uh, you know, as, as we send, uh, you know, I prayed uh, a lot. And, of course, it was very hard for Debbie and I emotionally to send our son and our amazing daughter-in-law. Uh, she is uh, just tremendous. We are so uh, thrilled for you guys and, uh, of course, our grandson. And, by the way, it's our only grandson, first grandson, only grandson. Um, you're taking him away from me. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Um, we, we know God's got a call. And uh, the reason I would send them with such joy and, and enthusiasm is because not only do I believe in what God has for them, but I believe in what God has for you guys, for this fellowship, because they're just a part of the fellowship. You guys are the church. They're a part of that. Gary's and Tina, they're a part of this church. And God does awesome things with this church. And so the DNA of a church is obviously really important. And I'm excited about this building. You know, I've done this a lot. We've planted a lot of churches and seen, you know, here we go. We send up a pastor and, you know, he's trying to build kind of up, you know. And I know Calvary Truckee has been around for a long time, but it's kind of like a replant, you know. And, I mean, it's your guys' first church building and I don't know how many, you know, decades. I mean, you know, four. Yeah. So, it, like, wow. Okay. God has something fresh. God has something new. And my encouragement to those of you that are a part of the, you know, the foundation, the roots of this church, maybe you've been around a long time. You've certainly been around a lot longer, which might be most of you than Pastor Gary and his family. Um, you know, to just be open to the Lord. Obviously, we know that the world has changed tremendously since this church was founded. I know that of our church. It's like, I've got to be so, well, we used to do it this way. We did it that way. We, you know, we did church like this. This is just the way we do church. Well, um, of course, we want to talk about the DNA. That, that should never change. The fundamental foundations. And we're not, I'm not suggesting, you know, we become some weird, you know, uh, kind of just uh, flowery, super, you know, official, seeker-friendly kind of church. And, of course, that's not Pastor Gary's heart. And I can promise you that's not uh, Isaac and uh, Hope's heart at all. They were... Uh, trained up uh, and raised up in some really awesome churches, uh, both of them. So, uh, you know, but we've got to be really open and just say, God, what do you what do you want to do? Like, you know, of course, churches die because they don't reach the next generation. Movements die because they don't reach the next generation. And so and you guys have been praying and obviously, you know that. And that's what you've been praying, Lord, would you bring in, you know, someone to help lead the youth and, and, you know, because that's so important. Of course, young families with a bunch of kids, which does cause a lot of work for us, uh, you know, um, but, but just to see what God wants to do. And I really believe God has something, something fresh and new. So we just want to be reminded this morning of the purpose of why we gather. And, and I, I kind of shared with you guys last time two main areas of uh, what I call the purpose of the church. The purpose the church exists on the planet Earth is the first one. The second one is why then do we gather uh, as a, a congregation weekly? Uh, and I say weekly and even daily, we can say, you know, in a life group and this and a men's study and a ladies study and whatever uh, different studies that are going on and events that are happening within the, the, the body of Christ here uh, at Truckee, um, 
you know, why, why do we do that? It's important to know why. And so we looked at that. So I just want to kind of review a couple things and then move into and just hopefully just kind of land on a, a lasting or a last point uh, with you guys. So um, we looked at, if you were with us, if you weren't, um, and I would encourage you maybe to take some pictures of the slides if you're not a real note taker. Um, it's easy because I want to just give you some good stuff. And I, I didn't, wasn't able to have uh, the slides last time uh, because we were, of course, in the park. So here's the Great Commission. I think most of us uh, are familiar with the Great Commission. We talk about the purpose of the church. What is the purpose of the church? Um, well, Jesus made it abundantly clear what the purpose of the church is. So I've bro broken down the five Great Commission passages in the New Testament, and uh, the purpose of the church is spelled out very clearly. Well, as you look at them, it's preach the gospel to all nations. Uh, then Luke's account, Luke defines the gospel for all nations. He makes, uh, Jesus says then, adding to that, make disciples of all nations. Of course, you reach them. You catch them. It's like fishing. You, before you can clean the fish, you got to catch the fish. That's the evangelism, catch them. But once you catch them, you got to clean them. And uh, that's what it means to make disciples. And, um, and, and to be then a witness, uh, revealing the, the Father to all nations. And the fifth one there, being a witness of Jesus to all nations. I'm not going to belabor what we, what we... We spent most of the message last time I was with you right here on this slide. Okay, um, and uh, simply Jesus says, and I love the John 20, verse 21. As the Father has sent me, so now I send you. Okay, what Jesus is saying is in the same way God the Father sent God the Son to the earth, that is now your new mission. And Jesus is, according to John's gospel, which of course that's where it's from, and that's what those cross-reference is allude to, is that God sent Jesus to this earth to manifest the heart of God to the world. That we could know God and know who God is and know his person and his character. And this is the purpose of you guys presently right here in Truckee, is that, that people in this city would know who God is as they interact with your lives. That's awesome. That, that's, that's an amazing thing as you think through it. But that's indeed uh, what what the Great Commission is, of course, then the Acts passage there, uh, Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Because you might raise your hand if we were like in a class and say, hold on, uh, I can't do that. I'm not Jesus. Well, that's why you need Jesus. You need Jesus to live in you. And how does that happen? Through the Holy Spirit coming upon you, that you might be, this is, I'm quoting Acts 1.8, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, that you might be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. And so we see the commission. And of course, this is how the book of Acts starts. Now, the book of Acts is the first 30 years of church history. It's not just a part of church history. It's the one document in church history that is inspired of God. It's scripture. So I want us to remember that. The book of Acts is God's model for us of what the church is to be doing. If you read, and I want to challenge you this week, and I don't want to mess up your devotional reading, uh, but I do, kind of. Um, I want to challenge you this week. Open the book of Acts 
with them in your mind saying, what's the purpose of the church? And I want to just discover just by reading through the book of Acts. I think you're going to find that as you read through the book of Acts, you're going to discover the purpose of the church. And it might not look like what you might have seen growing up in church, if indeed you grew up in church, or what you've seen in church. It's very different. This idea of we're going to go out and preach the gospel. We're going to go out and preach the true gospel. That's that defined gospel. It's a gospel of repentance and remission of sin, according to Luke. We're going to go out and we are going to make disciples of those that come to Christ. It's not like, well, we're so glad you're a part of our church. Oh, there's someone new. How can I influence them? How can I be a witness of who Jesus is? How can I demonstrate the heart of God to them? It's our job, and especially as there will be youth coming into the church, I'm sure of it. God, that's the, obviously the whole point. And I ask that you guys would pray for that. You'd pray for a revival amongst the youth. I know uh, Isaac and Hope have such a passion. Of course, Isaac's greatest desire would be able to be full-time to just give himself over uh, to that and pray towards that end because uh, it is a lot of work. Youth are not like... You guys are easy, to be honest. You come Sunday morning, we have a men's study, we have a ladies' study, we have some life group, you know, we share the word. You don't want to hang out with Gary all day. You know, but youth require a lot more. They, you know, they're out of school. Like, hey, dude, what are you doing? What do you want to do? You know, playing video. You know, uh, uh, to reach the youth, it takes a lot of time. And so, um, you know, uh, to do that well. But that's, of course, the heart, right? That's the goal is to be a witness in your Jerusalem. And so uh, this is the DNA. This is the purpose. So read through the book of Acts and just say, hey, does my life look like this? If not God, show me where, where it can where I've maybe gone wrong, where I just, and it's not about I'm wrong, oh no, it's about what can I do to be right? What can I do to be more engaged in, uh, you know, your purpose for my life? So um, just a, a quick quote I'd like to give to you guys, uh, just basically uh, in these passages, we clearly see the purpose of the church, right? Uh, that, that is the Great Commission passages. And here's the quote. It's from John MacArthur. And it just says, if a Christian understands, this is just from his commentary at the end of the book of Matthew on the Great Commission. If a person understands all the rest of the Gospels but fails to understand this closing passage, he has missed the point of them entirely. This passage is the climax and major focal point, not only of this Gospel, but of the entire New Testament. It is no exaggeration to say that. In its broadest sense, it is a focal point of all Scripture, old as well as new. He goes on. Jesus' supreme command for those who are His disciples, listen to this, to become instruments, or to become His instruments for making disciples for all nations. Jesus' own earthly ministry was to make disciples for himself. And that is the ministry of his people. Those who truly follow Jesus become fishers of men. Those who become his disciples are themselves to become disciple makers. This mission of the, the mission of the early church was to make disciples. And that is still Christ's mission for his church. 
So, you know, and I love that quote. It just kind of puts it into, you know, words that are really clear. This is just what the Bible teaches, guys. And um, so if I was to give you a definition of the purpose of the church, here it is. And this might be something you want to take a picture of. I want you to think through it. Uh, read the Bible with this kind of definition there and just ask, is this a right, correct definition? The purpose of the church's existence on the earth is for the evangelization and discipleship of all people. Real simple. Now, why do I say the church on the earth? The purpose of the existence of the church on the earth. Your life, from the day you got born again until the day you go to heaven. I lost two friends this week from COVID. I know Gary uh, and Tina and the family are uh, you know, going to bury his mom. All of these people, you know, love the Lord. Some of these people maybe didn't quite know the purpose of the church, as I think about these people. They were Christians, no doubt they're in heaven, but did they fulfill the call that God had on their lives? Now, one of these guys that just passed yesterday, what an amazing, godly man. He's a pastor, friend of mine. Uh, his name is Vaughn. Uh, and uh, uh, his brother, who lived in San Diego, just a total evangelist, just a guy that really just lived his life. For the, I mean, he'd spend his days off and whatnot. He would spend them, uh, you know, um, at the mall with the table, with tracks, sharing the gospel. Like, this is the, the, this guy got what his purpose was. Listen, our existence on the earth is it's got a purpose. Now that's the message people need to hear. This is the message the church needs to hear. Is like there's a reason that I'm here. How many people are struggling with what's the purpose? My wife, uh, we she just did a conference at our church, and uh, a lady that doesn't go to our church that was you know there invited by a friend or whatnot at the conference, and she was there, and she just came up to my wife in tears and just says. You know, Christian loves the Lord. She says, what's the purpose, though, of going to church? I've kind of been, uh, since COVID, I've been watching church online. Again, not our church, her church. And, uh, you know, I just haven't. And what's the purpose anyways? But, but struggling with tears. Like, what's the meaning of my life as a Christian? And, and, you know, the Bible is so abundantly clear on what the meaning is. It's not like, I don't know, let's... Let me see. Um, well, everyone's got an individual meat. No, there is one meaning for God's people called the church. And that is for the evangelization and discipleship of all peoples. Now, of course, I could spend time uh, this morning. We won't. And I think I did last time I was with you talking about like the ends of the earth, right? The unreached. But let's start because we're looking right now at, you know, as I look at your guys' churches, I pray for you. But to see a, a, a fresh work the Holy Spirit wants to do. Like, you guys should be anticipating some new, new things. And not just because my son's coming up here. Trust me, I'm praying you guys disciple him. Um, you know, uh, but anticipating some, some new things from the Lord. And like Gary said, that prayer meeting. Like, yeah, that's where it starts. And Gary's so right on. Uh, you know, I mean, you just read Acts and they were what? Before a movement of the Spirit happened, they were together. All of them were together, and they were praying. 
And they were praying, God, what's the next step? Some, you know, excitement within the body here. Some new life. Some, some fire. God, we, we, wanna, we don't exist here in Truckee just to live our lives. We exist to live our lives for your glory to the end, to see men and women hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, to see this place evangelized, and then to see them uh, discipled in the word of God. To, to, God, you've called me to make disciples starting in my Jerusalem, and this is your guys' Jerusalem. <laughs> That's so exciting. Like, you have so much purpose. Like, I hope you're uh, a very focused, diligent, uh, you know, um, intentional person because you need to be. Because there is a, a, a focus that God has given you. There is an intention for your life and existence. And there is a, a stewardship of the time God's given you. And it should be used uh, to fulfill this purpose. Unfortunately today, and I shared this analogy with you guys. Unfortunately today, uh, there are a lot of churches that look more like a cruise ship kind of church. Well, what do I mean by a cruise ship church? Well, uh, you know, you look at this picture of the cruise ship, and of course you've got the slides, the swimming pool, you've got all of these uh, different things on the cruise ship. And, and what do you do? If, how many of us have been on a cruise? How many of you guys have been on a cruise? Just, you guys ever go on cruises over here? You just fish. I don't know. Ski. Like, okay, what do you do on a cruise ship? Well, you pay usually some good money, to be catered to. You pay to have people um, serve you. Uh, all your food's prepared, everything. I mean, if you spill something in your cabin, you just call someone and they come clean it up. And unfortunately today, uh, that's what the church very much is, is, it looks like. People go to church to be catered to. People go to church uh, so that the staff Whoever, the servants of the church, will, will take care of it. And there's something in our minds today where if I give my tithes and offerings and I pay, basically, which, by the way, you're not giving to the church, you're giving to the Lord. Let's go back to the scriptures. You can't rob God of something that is yours. You know, when someone robs you, they take something that's yours. God says if you withhold your tithe, right? We all know it, Malachi. If you withhold withhold your tithe, you've robbed me. Okay, that means that's God's money, and when I don't give it, I'm, I'm keeping what is not mine. So that's all, you know, that's, we're giving to the Lord. We're not giving to the church. We're giving to God, to his kingdom, for his glory, and of course, we trust uh, the church, and we should know that the church is using it for those means. Of course, there's a lot of corruption when you come into money and church and things. And that's why it's awesome to be in a church where there's a focus of, hey, our vision, our heart is to see the world one with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why we exist. That's why we're here. And that's where our funds are going to go is to that end is to reach people with the gospel. But there are so many what we would call today seeker-friendly churches that cater to people, come and will serve you. Now, of course, in church, it's not bad to be blessed it's not bad to be served. But we don't come just to be served. We don't come just to sit on the deck and lay back and wave our hand and come and bring me, you know, my drink that I want. And, uh, you know, that, well, my kids are having fun. Uh, you know, there's the slides, there's the pools, there's this, there's that. 
and man, I'm having fun, and if the whole family's having fun, we like it, and that's a lot of times how people decide what church to go to. Everyone's happy, everyone's having fun, and we're going to the church to, to just receive. We're not going to the church for the right purpose. You see, the true image uh, would be the aircraft carrier, right? And here's a picture of an aircraft carrier. It looks a little different than the cruise ship, huh? <laughs> I mean, when I look at that ship compared to the cruise ship, I'm like, okay, those guys aren't there to have fun. But they're there with one mission in mind, right? Every single sailor, every single pilot on that ship has a mission. It's amazing to think about. Uh, you probably can't see it, but if you were to look really closely, lining the deck, there's like little white hats, and it probably doesn't come through um, that clear, but they're all uh, the uh, sailors. They're just lining their deck. They're just at attention. They're like, I'm here. I have a purpose. And you realize that there's about 100 aircraft, typically, on an aircraft carrier. And um, there's about 5,000 um, personnel. And it takes 50 support personnel to every one aircraft to get that aircraft off the deck. And to think about the idea of being a church that says we are here with one purpose in mind, and that is to launch people out, uh, both here and abroad, on a mission. Listen, this morning, the goal that we should have as pastors is to train you guys to launch you out. This place you're going to launch from all week, you're going to go out into your mission field, and you're going to go out and you are going to reach the people around you. You have a clear mission, and it takes a lot of work to do that. And so instead of, hey, I'm coming to church to get this, I'm coming to church to get trained to fulfill my mission. That, that thinking will transform the way you view church. So when there's problems in the church, by the way, there always will be. Well, because you're a part of the church. Okay, I hope I didn't offend you. I'm a part of the church. You ask Gary to come be the pastor of this church, there's going to be problems. I mean, you know, we all are the problem. Who, where's the problem in the church? Us. Does any of us have no problems in our lives? Any of you that are married today, you've never had a problem in your marriage. And when you have had a problem in your marriage, of course, it's your spouse's problem, right? If they would just get shaped up, everything would be, well, that's a lot of times. And of course, if you do believe that, you need marriage counseling, uh, and you do have a bad marriage, and your spouse has got to be miserable if that's really the way you think. Well, but people in the church are like that. Well, the problem is this, that we're all the problem. Jesus is the solution, and he's the one to heal us, and his word is that which is going to transform us. And so when we have problems, we don't just run to another church. We figure out our problems. We're a family. You know, I've had all kinds of problems through the years. I just take my son Isaac and I. I mean, you don't think we've ever had a problem? You think Isaac's ever been mad at me? You think I've ever been mad at him? More times than we can remember. But why, why do we stick together? Why do we work through our problems? Because we're family. We're family. There's a devotion. There's a commitment. And those sailors, the same thing. We're together. We care for one another. And every one of you have a part to play 
in this, in this awesome purpose. And so, um, uh, you know, this is so important for us to understand, for us to grasp. Now, you might ask a question. Listen, if you've been around Calvary Chapel uh, for a while, uh, if you've been taught the Word of God, you might ask uh, this question. Isn't the purpose of the church Acts 2.42? And you might say, what is Acts 2.42? Well, this is Acts 2.42. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Now, just again, let me stir you up by way of reminding you. Many of us know this, right? Okay, this is a monumental passage. This is what we would call a Calvary distinctive. If you read Pastor Chuck's book, on the Calvary Chapel distinctives, you will read a chapter on this is why we gather together is for what? Is for teaching the Word of God. The Apostles' Doctrine is to fellowship. We're doing all of this, by the way, today. This is the purpose that we're gathering here. Uh, it is the breaking of bread. We've done that this morning uh, partially because partially the breaking of bread is communion. The other part is eating together. And thank God, today you guys, uh, you know, uh, are gonna, we're going to all enjoy some food together and prayer. All of this happens, by the way, in a church service. If it doesn't, you're in the wrong church. This is what church should be. And so we might think, well, isn't that the purpose of the church? Now, John MacArthur goes on with this quote. And I just use John MacArthur because, you know, it's not just me saying this, okay? There are other people that are saying this. And John MacArthur, obviously, is a very well-known Bible expositor, and, um, uh, you know, he says this, continuing in the quote, he says, if God's primary purpose for the saved, now listen to this, this is in insightful, was loving fellowship, he would take believers immediately to heaven where spiritual fellowship is perfect, unhindered by sin, think about that, disharmony or loneliness. Now, that would be amazing fellowship. Heaven awaits that. He goes on. If his primary purpose for the saved was the learning of his word, he would also take believers immediately to heaven where his word is perfectly known and understood. There would be no longer need for Pastor Gary. And if God's primary purpose for the saved was, the, was giving him praise, he would again take believers immediately to heaven where praise is perfect and unending. He goes on with the quote. There is only one reason the Lord has allowed his church to remain on earth, to seek and to save the lost. Just as Christ's only reason for coming to the earth was to seek and to save the lost, as the Father sent me, now he's quoting one of those great commission passages, he declares, I also send you. Therefore, a believer who is not committed to winning the lost for Jesus Christ should re-examine his relationship to the Lord and certainly his divine reason for existence. Fellowship, teaching, and praise are not the mission of the church, but are rather the preparation of the church to fulfill its mission of winning the lost. And just as an athletics training should never be confused with or substituted for actually competing in the game, which is the reason for all the training. Okay, so we went over some of these things in that, uh, that message I shared with you guys in the park right at the end of the message. I kind of just blast through this um, because, again, I spent most of the time on the Great Commission. Didn't have these quotes. I didn't share these quotes with you. But notice here what he's saying. 
Acts 2.42. Fellowship, teaching, praise are not the mission of the church, but rather they're the preparation for the church to fulfill its mission in winning the lost. So what is it that we're doing here today? We are getting equipped to go fulfill our purpose. You are not fulfilling your purpose by just coming to church, by being a part of a church, by being in fellowship, by being in, you know, accountability, by being in a men's group, by being in a Bible study, by being in a ladies' study, you know, whatever it might be, by being in a time of prayer. Those are all the training, like if you were a soldier, which you, by the way, the Bible tells us we are soldiers of Jesus Christ. This is all training to get us to go fulfill the mission that God has called us to. This gets greatly confused in many minds. We think the purpose of the church, uh, and we don't usually really think intentionally about it, to be honest, but we just go in our, along in our life, the reason, you know, the purpose of being a Christian, what does a Christian do out, different than the world? Well, I go to church on Sunday. Well, hey, I'm a really good, think about a really good Christian in your mind. Like a guy that I would say, hey, we should pray about making him an elder. Um, oh, he's at the men's study. Ah, he's at the prayer meeting. Man, he loves his wife. He's a really good husband. Great father. Great businessman. Man of integrity, right? This is like, okay, uh, he's a spiritual guy. He has devotions. He reads the Bible. He knows the Bible. He's a leader in the church. This is top-notch, like, Christianity. But maybe he never, ever intends to share the gospel with anyone. He has zero, zero concept of people are perishing without Christ and we want to reach them. You see, because what we have done is we have made the purpose of the church to be a good Christian, a good person, to be a part of church services and activities, and that's the purpose. And I'd like to flip that in our thinking. And this is a, a church-wide need. When I say church-wide, just across our country that the church needs to wake up and realize that God has a purpose for us. And that is the evangelization and discipleship of all people. Well, then why do I need to go? I should just, well, Sunday morning, just go out and go street witnessing, right? I don't need church. Who needs church? I mean, pastor said, purpose of the church is, Going outside, you know, out, out the doors of the church. Let's go out there. But the reality is, is why? Well, because I need to get trained to go. Like how many of us feel like, yeah, bring them to me, man. I'll just tear them up with the Bible. I've got it all. I've got every answer. Just bring me, right? We're like, ah, ah, ah. that's not my calling. I'm not an evangelist. I, I'm not one of those people. I don't know. And I, would say, and I would challenge you with this in a very gentle challenge. Why don't you know? Now, I'm not saying you're going to know every answer. No one does. Well, why, why don't you have a vision? Well, isn't that the pastor's job? See, there's this idea that the pastor's job is to evangelize the city. Really. So whose job is to get... It, so it's your job then to get all the sinners into the church so he can evangelize them? And how many of you are going to get fed if you, Pastor Gary just preaches a sermon every single week on evangelism? You're like, oh, I got this. I know this. That's not his job. His job is to train you to go do the work of an evangelist. Now, I'm not saying that you're all called, quote, 
to an evangelist like you're going to stand at the park and do open air preaching or you're going to be, you know, do some big crusade or, you, you know, uh, but we're all called to share the gospel one-on-one -on -one with people in our lives as we interact with them. But my mission as I go to work isn't just make money. No, that's the ends to the mean. God's going to provide for me and my family through this, this job, but the mission as a Christian is to go into that workplace and to be a light in the midst of darkness. And yes, to share the gospel. And yes, hopefully, uh, to be able to invite them out to church and, uh, you know, to be able to uh, be in, in that place. Um, you know, that's the mission of uh, the church. Excuse me real quick. So that this is, is what we find uh, is the purpose, right, of the church. It is in that vein. Now, as we think about the purpose of why we gather together, so just want to talk with you and just kind of finish up here with the purpose of the church's weekly and daily gathering. And here's just another simple definition for you. Uh, the purpose of the local church's gathering is for equipping believers to go fulfill their purpose in the evangelization and discipleship of all people. Okay, so let me stir you up by way of reminder. Now, our interns have heard this message. Uh, they should be able to preach it. You better be able to preach it. So many times, but, you know, they need to hear it. They, actually, they're over there taking pictures of the slide. I'm watching them in the corner of my eye. I'm like, those guys know this stuff more than anyone in this room, and they're over there taking pictures, which is because we need to be refreshed. We need to really think. This is, they know how important it is because they've been working through this. And I believe as you guys start really working through this in your practical lives of, what this looks like uh, for you, it's really going to help. Okay, so like the, the aircraft carrier kind of church, we're there with a mission. And every one of us have a role, but we need training to fulfill our mission. You know, of course, if we all got enlisted right now uh, into the military and they all threw us on an aircraft carrier and gave us no training, we would, well, we'd fail, right? I mean, that'd be miserable. And we'd all be divided and hating each other and you're supposed to be a cook. You don't even know how to cook and there's no food and you're the guy in the engine room and you're the guy navigating. You're like, I, I couldn't even find my way home, uh, you know, uh, from church. Like, I, you know, you're, it's like it would be an absolute disaster. And so what do they do? They train them. And so what is our gathering? It's training. What is Gary's main role and any other pastor leader within the church that's a part of what I call the equipping side of ministry, their main role is to study the Word of God and to train you. But listen, you can't train people that don't want to be trained. I'm not suggesting that's you guys. But you have to have a fervor and a heart saying, first of all, I need to be trained, like that illustration of uh, what would be the point of an athlete doing all their training if they're actually not going to play in the game? No, that the, the purpose isn't we're going to go to practice we're going to go to boot camp. The purpose is we're going to go out and do the work that we're called to do. But we need boot camp or practice, if you're talking about an athlete or a soldier, we need those things to go fulfill our mission. 
But here's where people are in church today, falling asleep, not engaged when it comes to the Bible study, not having Bible open, not listening to the Word, not taking notes, because there's no vision of going out of these doors and evangelizing and making disciples. So the information given is like, what do we judge sermons on today? Was it funny? Was it interesting? Did I feel warm and fuzzy? Like, really? After church, when you go home and you say that was a good message, what, what was good about it? Well, I like it when that guy teaches. Speaking of Gary. Gary has me come, so you'll be happy when I leave and you get him back. And, um, you know... Uh, what, what is it? Oh, I got trained today. Man, I never saw that verse. Boy, that was unlocked to me. That's really good. And, and I literally got a gener, journal or a notebook or an iPad full of stuff, whatever it is, of, of truth. Because I'm going out into war. And I need to know how to shoot my gun. And, and you know, this is your gun. And it's like... Uh, I just take the gun to the gun range Sunday morning and then I just put it back down. I don't holster the gun. Now that's fine for a civilian. That's what we, some of you guys I'm sure do. I don't know, you know, uh, if you go hunting and you will go to the gun range so you actually can, you know, do something when you hunt. Um, but, you know, if you're a soldier, listen, if you're a police officer, you're not at the gun range like a civilian is. He's there having fun with his buddies, whatever. I got, man, this is life and death. And you're holstering that weapon. And you're stepping out. You better know, you better be real familiar with that weapon. And it's dangerous too. You don't want to use it too quickly, right? Like you got to be level-headed. I mean, there's a lot of training besides just shooting, right? There's a lot of training that goes in. How you talk people down. How, you know, you just think about how a police officer is trained. Of course, you know, the police have been getting hammered really bad and we need to pray for them. This is what it is as a Christian. So all these analogies are just simple things in life that when we come into the spiritual world, we're soldiers. We're warriors. We're disciples of Jesus. We're to follow him. We're to go out. We're to make disciples. And we have a weapon. But we need to know how to use that. That's what Sunday morning's about. It's about opening up, cracking it open. That's why you go verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Like, we're going to learn what the Bible says. Who cares what Gary thinks? Right? I mean, I've heard a lot of his stuff. Trust me. No. <laughs> Who cares what I think? Right? I mean, really, I don't. I don't even want to know what I think. Because I know I'm wrong unless it's found from God's Word. This is our compass. This is our guide. This is the safety. If you're going to go and stand in the name of Jesus and tell someone, listen, you're going to hell if you don't repent of your sins and turn to Jesus Christ. But I want you to know that He loves you and that He showed His love and demonstrated His love to you when He died for you on the cross. And I want you to understand that and that you're pleading now with them. You're begging them to turn from their sins and come to Christ. You're preaching the gospel. 
you better know that what you're saying is true. You better know what you're saying is right. You know, like, well, you know, I just think, you know, uh, you know, all roads kind of lead to heaven. Someone says to you, you go, well, uh, no, kind of, maybe, not really. No, you got to know. Jesus said, boom, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You got to know your word. And I want to know, listen, especially for, for us pastors, man, we want to know that what we're saying to you is from God. I mean, every word I speak to you, I will be judged, not by me, by the living God. And so we want to spend our time, what we call exegeting Scripture, taking the Word, drawing out of the Word what's there, never eisegeting, which is imposing our opinions, our thoughts, our ideas into the Word, but drawing out of the Word what's there and just delivering it up. It's called a well-balanced meal, a spiritual meal that you should be getting offered up every single Sunday morning or Bible study. This is the point. But imagine if you come ready to learn. You come engaged. I want to challenge you guys to become note takers if you're not. Because it, it keeps you engaged. You know, you're like wandering off in a message. I mean, listen, I've been a pastor for a long time. And I've heard a lot of sermons myself, by the way. And you're just kind of like, do-do-do, you know, and you, come, and you come back and you're like, where is, what is he even talking about? I have no idea. Well, that's because you were gone for like 15 minutes somewhere else in your head. And then you're just like, when is he going to shut up? That's usually what they're saying about me, you know. When is he going to shut up? You know, the reality is, is because you're not getting why you're here. You're not being prepared. You're not thinking, man, I need this. You're like, I don't really need this. Because a lot of times what we're thinking about is just me. Well, that doesn't apply to me. Well, it might apply to someone else. You ever thought you're the instrument of Jesus Christ to this lost and dying world, and he wants to use you to bring them some truth, and you might learn something that doesn't apply to you because you got that, or that's not an issue in your life, but, and it might even be someone else in the body that's struggling with that, and now you got a verse, and you've thought through it, and you understood it, and you studied it out, and it's not just like your opinion, well, you know, I just think, who cares what you think? This is what God said, though. This is what God's Word says. This is life. This will change your life. You're struggling. I believe that that God has the answers. Not I have the answers, but I do know where they are. God has the answers, and here they are, and let's talk about it. Let me pray with you. You know, and, and of course, now we're getting into the fellowship and the loving them and, and the caring for others, and, and that's what discipleship is. It's not just preaching a message and boom, and then out the door, and we don't talk to each other. No, we're interacting in each other's lives, and we know how much all of us need that. And so I just want to close with um, a, a verse for you guys. Typically, when I teach the Word, I just teach verse by verse, chapter by chapter. I usually overwhelm everyone with verses. This message, I didn't have a lot of uh, verses because I'm trying to just kind of really hammer home this concept. And I really do believe it's a word for you guys and for what God wants to do here. And just kind of a fresh outlook on church and moving forward and uh, as God brings people and uh, you know, God willing, maybe we can send some more even for a short time, some interns up or whatnot, and to, to just be here to bolster and strengthen some outreach and help. But if we do all that and that happens and they come to a church that there aren't people engaged in that church filled with the Word of God, 
ready to help, ready to minister, ready to one-on-one start discipling people, it's the church isn't going to grow. But let me tell you, if people come here and they're not just fed from the worship, from the word, they're fed from the fellowship and the community, this church is going to blow up. This sanctuary definitely isn't going to hold you guys. Okay, God has, there's so, you guys know, there's so many people out there, man, they're so messed up, they're so hurting. We need to get some fire in us. We need to get some vision and some purpose and some, you know, being intentional. This text is a monumental text. I wish I could just survey the whole book of Ephesians with you to build up to this point because Paul's laying down the gospel in the first three chapters in a very unique and powerful way about how Christ is supreme, how Christ died, how you're the church, how you're his body, and what he's done. And he just starts, and I'm going to read a couple verses in the beginning of chapter 4. I know it says we'll start at verse 11, but I therefore, verse 1, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you. Listen to what Paul says. He's not talking to pastors. I just want you to note that. He's talking to the church. And by the way, the book of Ephesians is probably written for all the churches in Asia, not just Ephesus. That's uh, you know, another one of those side conversations we can have where we get that idea. But so you're just thinking of all the Asian churches, which is all like Turkey, okay? The early church, all Paul's churches. When you read Revelation, you know, the seven churches there, those churches, okay? And many more. He says, I beseech you to have a walk worthy of the call by which you've been called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as we are called in one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Okay? So what's he saying there? He's begging them to walk worthy of the call. Every individual Christian, I'm begging you to walk with God worthy of the call, to do it with lowliness, to, you know, humility here, uh, you know, to care for one another, love one another. Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity, this idea of unity. And you're going to see this. This is really important. Unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Notice he says there's one body. He's talking about the church. This is the purpose of the church. Okay? So as you work down, and I won't read it all. I I certainly am tempted to. It's so good. But verse 7, each one has uh, an individual gift. And you come down to verse 11. But God gave, uh, it says he himself, which is God, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, what Paul here is saying, and I'm going to make this very brief because there's a lot there, but what Paul is saying in verse 11 is I'm giving apostles, prophets, evangelist, and pastor-teacher. I'd, I'd say there's four, not five here. Based on the Greek, the word pastor and teacher are one. Okay? So I'm giving those men, these gifted men, called men, separated to the church so that they can, verse 12, equip the saints. It's real simple. I'm giving them to the church. Now, don't think, well, I'm not an evangelist. See, that's a gift. That's a different kind of evangelism than I'm a witness of Jesus to the world. Every one of us are called to be a witness of Jesus. Not like, well, God's not called me to evangelize. Hey, you might not be Greg Laurie doing a harvest crusade, okay? Tonight, actually, you could pray for it down in Southern California. You know, they're filling the Anaheim Stadium, 
and they're sharing the gospel. Of course, okay, no, we're not all called to do that. <laughs> Gary and I wouldn't do well at that, to be real honest. Uh, you know, but we're all called to, to share the gospel. Uh, an evangelist, and I won't take the time, but I could argue from the Bible, from the book of Acts, that the word evangelist only used of one person. His name's Philip. I could argue he's more like an itinerant church planter. You would call him today a missionary. And so he's talking about these guys that are taking the gospel far and beyond. He's not talking about just living in your daily life. Okay? But notice he's given to the church, and we'd focus on evangelist, pastor, and teacher, because apostle and prophet is a special office for the, the early church. And I'm not saying I don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit or don't believe in prophecy. I'm not saying that at all. But uh, certainly that office isn't held by men today. Who's the leaders of the church is uh, missionaries, church planters, and pastors and teachers. Verse 12 says, okay, so they're given to the church for the equipping of the saints. Now, real cool thing about the word equipping, the word equipping literally means mending. That's how it's used. When it says in Jesus, when he came by his disciples and he called them, and it says, and they were mending their nets, it's the same Greek word used. They're mending. Because with the word of God, and again, we could go to, 2 Timothy right now, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, where there Paul says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for correction. For The word there, uh, correction, is an awesome word. It's another medical word that speaks about like correcting a broken bone. Okay, it's about healing. It's about taking something broken and fixing. It's a net ripped open and bringing healing. This is, uh, you know, what God does. This is the teaching ministry of the Word of God. As people, as we come into the house of God, as believers, our lives are mended by the Word of God. You know, you've got a big hole. And God wants to heal that. It comes through. And as God heals you, He makes you whole so you can go fulfill your mission. And it's awesome. And He heals marriages. So marriages can be an example of what Christ intended them to be of the love of Christ towards his church. And he wants to heal husbands. He wants to make them whole and strong and make them this tower of, of, of just a testimony when people see their interaction with their wife and their family, how that's Jesus. This is how Jesus is. And, and especially a guy that was broken. He was like, I've had, what happened to you? Anyone in here like that? Any guys in here like some, someone in your past would go, dude, what happened to you? Like, you're, what? You're Christian? What? And then they start watching your life. Like, that's a mended life. That was my life. You know how many people came to our church? Because they couldn't believe that I was a pastor. And then my old drug buddies came to our church. And they got saved. It was like, I mean, they didn't even know how to talk. They just were like, like what? What is this? If God did, did who, whatever happened, whoever it was, you know, because they didn't believe in God, like, could do that in your life, at least let me give it a shot. And they get saved. And amazing to see, you know, and someone went on to be missionaries in Africa and all over the world, and God's using them in awesome ways. And all their lives are mended. That's what the Word of God does. That's what we come. We come to be changed. So when people come to church, not to be changed. Their hearts get hard. We become hearers of the word, not doers of the word. And it's just, it's a hard place. And, and we're just dull. That's what Hebrews says, they're dull of hearing. I have much to say, 
Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. I have much to say and hard to explain. But you become dull of hearing, so you can't hear. And not that I can't explain it. You, you're not ready to receive it. And so we want to, you know, Lord, do revival in us. Like, of course, revival starts in the church. Starts reviving us and filling us, and we're hungry for the Word of God. And so the pastor teacher comes and equips, mends the saints so that they're ready for the work of the ministry. That means you are called to the work of the ministry, not, quote, the pastors. Now, I want to just blow our minds if we don't know this already. Because culturally, the pastor's job is to do the work of the ministry. No. Gary said, asked you the question this morning. How many of you want to be used by the Lord? Because that's your job. His job is to equip you to be used by the Lord. His job is not to evangelize Truckee. His job is not to reach Truckee. That's our job as the body of Christ. Now, he's a member of the body, so in his own personal life, of course, he's to share the gospel. But it's not because he's the pastor. It's because he's a Christian. That's it. He's just a Christian. He's just living out his Christianity, just like you are, just like I am. His role in the church is to train you, equip you to do the work of the ministry. Every one of us have a part, just like those guys on that ship. I mean, if the guys that took the salt water and made it fresh water said, eh, we don't see our part really important. I mean, no one even noticed. No one even knows who. What do you do? You're in the military. Well, awesome. Yeah, what do you do? Yeah, I work on an aircraft car. Wow, are you, like, on the deck there? Do you fly the, 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 the fighter jets? Like, uh, I work way down low. I turn salt water into fresh water. Now, let me ask you, if you're on that ship, are those guys important? <laughs> right? Like, really important, but it's not really a glorious thing. So that's exactly what Paul says when he gives the illustration of a body of Christ. The body of Christ. He uses the human body. He talks about internal organs. They're kind of hidden. And like, you know, you wouldn't want to, hey, hey, check out my liver, bro. Like, you know, it's just like, no, don't do that. We don't want to see that. We're really glad that you are, as the body, uh, that the liver's working and functioning. Like, if someone took the liver, you'd be in big trouble. You know, it, it's, it's really important, but it's hidden. And we feel like I'm stuck, you know, Paul uses the analogy of the, you know, kind of toe. I always think of the, the big toe and toe jam down there and hidden down there. And like, oh, what are you? Oh, I'm the toe. It's mangled. It's kind of ugly. Like, yeah, keep a shoe on. Yeah, you need a pedicure, whatever. Right? Um, and it's not this glorious part, but we're one body. You cut the toe off and you can't walk. I mean, it's really hard. Like, it's really important. But we don't right away go, oh, how important. We think, oh, the pastor, the worship leaders, you know, the people up front. They're actually there to just train you guys to go be the body of Christ. And they certainly aren't the body of Christ. And so here's where the ministry of Calvary Chapel comes in as we were committed to the teaching of the Word of God verse by verse for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, just I want you to watch this till we all come to the unity of the faith. Remember, we talked about unity in the beginning of the chapter, right? The unity of the Spirit, right? Endeavoring, verse 3, to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We're one body. There's this idea that when we're together, we're being healed, we're being transformed. We're all under the lordship of Jesus Christ, all under the authority of God's Word. 
We have one guide. We have one gauge. We have one roadmap to life. It's the Word of God. It's not the pastor. He's just teaching the Word of God. It's the Holy Spirit through the Word of God that we're aligning under that. And we, we come to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect. The word always in the Bible when you read perfect, the Greek word is mature. It literally means to be brought to its end. It means to be completed. That's what he's saying. You grow up and you're mature. You're completed. You're no longer a child. To the measure of the fullness of the statue of Christ. We're growing up to what Christ has intended us to be, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness in which they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may grow into all things into him who is the head, Christ. Now, this is awesome. How many people are tossed to and fro by all kinds of winds of doctrine? Because they don't know the Bible for themselves. And they're like, oh, that's, no, that's not a good idea. No, that's unbiblical. Well, but I don't know that. Well, if you're getting trained, you would. Like a soldier, no, no, we're not doing that. That isn't our mission. Because they've been trained. An athlete, when you think of athletics, there's a certain play we run. The coach has laid out all these plays. Some bro comes on and goes, oh, we're going to do this. No, we're not. That's not what we do. Because they know the place. If you don't know the place, okay, let's try that. Right, and then you're benched next to the, the coach because you're not following the, the, the training. That's what we're here. Church is a place to get equipped, trained, uh, built up, strengthened so we can go out. And then there's just notice there, verse 16, from whom the whole body, just note this, guys. If you didn't get it yet, like you're a part of this. The whole body, not part of the body, not most of the body, not 95% of the body, but 100% of the body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share. Every part. Of course, you go back to the physical body analogy. Yeah, every part. I mean, you hit your thumb with a hammer, your whole body knows it. You know, and you're like, eh, right? And, you know, you go to shake someone's hand. And you're like, ah, COVID. <laughs> Not really, you know, right, Michael? You know, it's like, he like messed up his arm. And, you know, he's like, I'm back there at the door and shaking hands. And he's just like, ah. The only one that wasn't merciful to him was Pastor Gary, by the way. And then he quoted something about him being a doctor. And, uh. But, you know, there's, there's just one member suffers. So when you're not fulfilling your role, all of us suffer. We can't do it on our own. There's no Lone Ranger Christians. It says, causes growth of the body for the edifying. The word edifying is building up of itself in love. We find the word both in the end of verse 12 and the end of verse 16. And I'll close with this. If this church is going to be built up, that's what the word means, edify. If this church is going to grow, right? That's what he says in verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things into him who is the head Christ. We have to have a vision together. We have to know what our purpose is on the earth. My purpose, your purpose is to evangelize and make disciples of all nations. You cannot do that by yourself. I cannot do that by myself. 
We together as the body of Christ gather together for the purpose of getting equipped to go fulfill our purpose of evangelizing and making disciples. Starting here in our Jerusalem, to our Judeas, to our Samarians, God wants to raise up, build this church where you're now launching people out to surrounding regions, where you're launching people overseas, where you're raising people up, where you're training people. We've been at work for 27 years almost back at our church at home with this vision. Now, we didn't start with the vision. It kind of came, but it came a few years into the ministry. Thank God. And we have been hard at work, and it's not easy. But we've been working and building and training and training and discipling and loving and caring and being a body and doing all the things the body does, men's studies and women's and, uh, you know, children and making sure we've got a good children's ministry and a great young adults and a, you know, great marriage study and, you know, in all the different levels and every place and working with one goal in mind, let's equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of God's church around the world, not just here, all over. And God has done that and is doing that. You know, as, as today, we're just blessed, you know, by chance to have uh, today here some of our interns for you guys just kind of just peer in and see, look at we're nothing, we're nobody, we're just teaching the Bible. But we do have a strategic vision. That vision is drawn from the Word of God. And as you guys have that, and our congregation has that vision. It's not me. Of course, I cast it, I teach, I guide, but man, our congregation caught it. They're fired up. Um, they're fired. I've got people in our church that will never, ever step foot on a plane and go to the mission field that are so fired up for the mission field, you wouldn't believe. I, they're more fired up than the missionaries. They really are. And, uh, you know, it's like, they're just like, how can we pray? Like, well, what do we got to do? Just hold on. We just, just give it some time. You know, it's like they're not ready to go. What do we need to send all these in? Well, just hold on. Just, you know, uh, because, they're, because they caught a vision. And they're doing their part. We all have a part. And we're not all called to, you know, go. But we're all called to send. And the success of a church isn't measured by its seating capacity. Just remember this. It's measured by its sending capacity. In the church today, we, we count nickels and noses. That's just reality. So people do. How many people do we have? What are the offerings? It's like a business. How many clients do we have? And what's the budget? But God's kingdom is very different. God will, t God will take care of the budget. Listen, the vision God has so far outweighs our budget, it's not even funny. It's not, it's not even close. It's just a joke. But you know, God is always supplied. And God is supplied exceedingly abundantly. You know, the blessing in our church right now, because of the, the overwhelming amount of support towards missions, is that every $6 that comes into our church, five of it goes to the mission field, the foreign unreached mission field. It's just crazy. Like I say that, I'm like, well, how? How did that happen? How? Just God. Not, trust me, it wasn't my great skills of, you know, negotiating or business. Or I'm an old construction drug out, burnout dude that got born again and Jesus is alive and his Bible's real. And, but it's a vision. And the church has to have that vision. And they have that vision. 
And it's because they recognize, listen, my purpose in life is to, to make a difference and to be, be a light in the midst of darkness. And why I go to church is to get trained to go do that. That's it. That's why I'm here. So when there's a problem, well, we've got to fix it because we've got something to do. It's like Nehemiah. It's like, oh, the, no, that, that's a distraction from the work God's called me to. That problem over there is a distraction. Let's fix the problem. We've got to get back because we got a vision. We're not like, oh, I don't like that. I'm going to another church. Oh, I poured into this church. I'm not leaving. These are where my friends are. I'm not just leaving because you got a problem with me or I got a problem. Well, let's fix it and let's move on and let's grow and let's see what God wants to do. God wants to do great things with you guys. There's no question about it. Allow him to do that and allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace, God. We praise you for who you are, for what you've done. God, hear what you're doing here. God, we just give you the praise that's, that's due your name. We ask, God, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray if there's anyone, I don't know everyone, of course, here today, I pray if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as our personal Lord and Savior, but right now, God, you would open their hearts. Right now, Father, that they, Lord, would repent of their sins, confess their sins, and know that you're faithful and just to forgive them. Just, just as we just think on that, I just want to take a moment. If there's anyone here right now, just want you to know the Bible says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You, just, you can call right now, right where you are. So we close with, with, with a worship that you can just right there just say, God, save me. God, I confess my sins to you. And I ask you to be my Savior today. And Father, we pray you would touch the hearts of those that need that. Lord, we pray that you would meet them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.